You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit harvestbrampton.ca. Last night was a milestone moment for our church, starting a Saturday night service, and uh, Ray and Natalie Kaprowski over in Harvest Bible Chapel, Ottawa, they're going to have a milestone moment in, uh, in a few weeks. Uh, April 2nd is going to be their first official service, so let's be praying for that. That's what we're celebrating uh, for sure. Really, really excited about all God is, uh, is doing there. Uh, today we're going to be talking about something that is uh, powerful enough to change the trajectory of an entire nation, even the course of world history, something that is painful enough that it can affect an individual so deeply that it can cause wounds that would take a lifetime to heal. And yet, we're also talking about something that can be so mundane and so ordinary. You use them to give a speech at your best friend's wedding, and you use them to order pizza. We're gonna talk today about words and the significance and the power of our words. And because words sometimes are so meaningful, but at other times are so mundane, what is needed in in how to handle words, what's needed so desperately is wisdom. Because words can have such a powerful impact on people if we're careful or if we're not careful with how we use them. And so we're going to be turning to God's word today, looking for wisdom about our words. So open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers are coming up and down the aisle uh, right now. And uh, open them up to Proverbs chapter 18. We've been uh, in this series called, uh, Lord, give me wisdom. And wisdom is simply the skill of determining the best possible method to accomplish the best possible outcome. It's doing the right thing in the right way for the right reason. So this is how to use your words in the right way, how to choose the right words, and then how to choose the right time and the right way to use those words, all motivated with the right reason lying behind it. And so uh, I'm highly conscious of uh, my uh, own failings in using words. And so uh, I'm going to pray right now that, that my words would not get in the way of God's word. And I would like to ask you to, to join with me in praying to that end. That God would speak and that he would give all of us, including me, wisdom in how to use uh, our words. So let's, let's bow together. Our Heavenly Father, God, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the word who is the word who became flesh. And we pray right now that you would give us wisdom, God. Thank you that you have given us your word. Thank you that you have spoken to us so clearly about about the power and the impact that our words can have. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with our ears, God, so that we can be changed with regards to what comes out of our mouths. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us and that as you speak, that would change the way that we speak. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it 
will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Here's, here's really the, the main idea. Where it's going to be our first point in the message today that we need to know the power of our words. We need to understand the weight that our words have in our life and in the lives of those who hear us. The Bible tells us again and again that there is power in our words. Right here it says the power of life and the power of death. We have the capacity to, to bring to life or the capacity to kill in the simple opening of our mouths. I mean, the, the Bible tells us this from start to finish. I mean, the Bible starts with words. God used words to speak the universe into existence in Genesis chapter 1. And then he used words to warn Adam not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then, he, and then Adam used words when he first laid eyes on his beautiful bride. He spoke spoke to Eve a beautiful poem. This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And so words were used to bring life and significance and meaning at the very creation of the world. But, 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 but then Satan used words. He used words to deceive Eve. He used words to, to, to convince Adam and Eve that, that if they were to take that that fruit that they would become wise and then, and then sin entered into the world and then Adam used words to blame Eve and Eve used words to blame the serpent and then God used words to bring a curse but then also he used words to bring a promise and then the words of that promise lay out the foundation that there would be one who would crush the head of the serpent. That lays out the, the whole narrative of God's word. It's all about the power of Words And so we need to recognize that. We need to understand. The wise person knows that words are something that we handle with care. We need to be very, very intentional and cautious when we use our words. And so today's message is going to be a huge heads up for parents. As we think about the impact that our words have on our children, this is going to be a huge heads up for kids to think about the things that we flippantly say to our parents or to our siblings or to our friends. This is, a, this is going to be a, a heads up for all of us as we think about uh, texting and tweeting and emailing and writing notes or everyday casual conversation. The way that we treat those who are close to us and the way that we treat complete strangers. The words that come out of our mouths have power and we need to be aware of that. And so let's start with the negative first. Let's, let's look at this idea of words of death. Words of death. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 12 uh, and verse 18. Proverbs 12, 18. You know, the book of Proverbs isn't arranged like some of the other books. You know, the book of Genesis or the book of Matthew or Mark, those are books that tell a history. They tell a story. And so you have the beginning of the story and then the, the plot develops and then the, the end of the story. But Proverbs isn't like that. There isn't sort of a beginning and an end. It's not like a letter like Romans or like Galatians where there's a, there's a topic and then Paul explains what he means and then and then the letter ends. Proverbs is not arranged like that. A lot of the Proverbs is a little bit of a shotgun approach. There's all kinds of different topics and themes that continually get circled around. And so we're going to have to turn around in our Bibles a fair bit today. There's also going to be some verses on the screen for you today. But words of death. 
Proverbs 12, 18 says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Rash words there means uh, words that were just blurted out, recklessly uh, spoken. These are words that are overly harsh, words that are sarcastic, put-downs, or insults. These words are described as sword thrusts. Some of you can probably remember times in which where your words became a weapon that you used to hurt someone. Uh, Some of you can remember times where words were used against you. See, here's, here's the thing about the image of a sword thrust. Listen, you can't unstab someone. Once the words are out, this is what we need to understand about the power of words. Once those words are out, once they've gone through that person's ears and down deep into their heart, they're there. Yes, there can be forgiveness. Yes, there's hope for transformation and reconciliation. But we need to understand the destructive power that our words can have. There's a second half to this proverb, that there are, that there are wise words. The tongue of the wise brings healing. And if you listen to the right voice, then you, if, if you have been deeply wounded in your heart by someone else's harsh words, or if you are overwhelmed with guilt because of the harsh words that you have used, there is good news for you. There is a, there is a wise word that you can hear and you can receive, receive healing. But we need to understand that, that our words have the potential for destruction. They can do serious damage. They can bring deep, deep scars scars and wounds. So these these are words of death, words that bring destruction. Here's another form of words of death, words that are deceptive. Look, Look four verses down, Proverbs 12 and verse 22. It says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A deceptive words are words of death, words where we try to deceive other people, where we lie to one another. Similarly, look up at the screen, Proverbs 19, 5 says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. I love the connection between lying and and the desire to escape, because when we lie, we trap ourselves. David Hubbard says, Those who lie have to have long memories. Because when you lie, you have to remember the lie that you told because you might have to tell other lies in order to make the first lie make sense. And you create this entire alternative universe and you're, you're, you're heaping lie on top of lie and your life becomes more complicated and more difficult and you can't escape from it. God doesn't want you to live that way. And God is a God of truth, and so lying is an abomination to him. Satan is called the father of lies in John chapter 8. And so we need to be so careful about deceptive words, and this can be so subtle in the way that we describe past events, the way that we make excuses for things that went wrong. We have such a natural tendency to make ourselves look better than we actually are. That's deception. It's an abomination to the Lord. And in our, in our desire to, to feel loved and to feel accepted, we so often misuse words like, uh-huh, okay, I got it. When we pretend like we understand that someone, what someone's saying when we really don't, 
That's not helpful. Sometimes we're just lazy and rather than asking a question or admitting that we weren't listening, we just go along and we're deceptive. Even those small little words, these are words of death. But if we act faithfully, as it says here, he who acts faithfully is God's delight, Proverbs 12, 22. It's a step of faith to tell the truth and to admit that you did something wrong or admit that you don't understand or, or ad, admit that you weren't listening. Humble yourself in that moment and trust the Lord that when you speak the truth and do what is right, he will be delighted in you and he will provide for you and protect you. Because if you choose lying, you will end up being trapped and you won't be able to escape. So words of death can be destructive, they can be deceptive, they can also be divisive. They can be divisive. Turn one chapter back to Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 13. Proverbs 11 verse 13. This is so important for us to understand. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. If you have an NIV in your lap today, it says, a gossip betrays confidence. That word slanderer is is synonymous with this idea of gossiping, talking about someone behind their back. And then the second half of the proverb says, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. If we're gonna be wise in our words, we need to be trustworthy people who know how to keep things covered because we cannot be revealing secrets, telling other people things that is none of their business. And take a look at these verses on the screen, Proverbs 29, 11. One of, the, one of the excuses we often use when we gossip or when we talk about someone behind their back is, well, I'm just venting. I'm just venting right now. I'm so frustrated, I just need to get this off my chest. Well, listen, venting's in the Bible. A fool gives full vent to his spirit. There's no room for venting. Venting is not wise. Venting is foolish. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Just like, uh, just like the verse uh, we just read in 11.13, a trustworthy spirit keeps a thing covered, holds it back. Don't talk about people if they aren't there to explain themselves. Similarly, look at this, Proverbs 16.28, a dishonest man spreads strife, but a whisperer separates friends. The person who so careful they want to make sure that that person doesn't hear. But I, but I really need to tell you something. It's really important. That's the kind of person who separates friends. It's also the kind of person that destroys fellowship in churches. This is the remedy. Proverbs 25 gives us the wisdom of how we're supposed to do this. So let's turn in our Bibles now to Proverbs 25. I'm not letting you off the hook with every verse going on the screen today. We're going to have to do some work. So Proverbs 25, 9 to 10. This is the alternative. So don't be a whisperer. What are we supposed to do when we have a secret, when we've learned something about someone else or if someone else has harmed us. Don't vent, don't go whisper it to someone else. This is what we're told to do. Proverbs 25, 9 and 10. Argue your case with your neighbor himself or herself. Go directly to the person. Do not reveal another secret. 
lest he who hears you bring shame upon you and your ill repute have no end. We are commanded to go directly to the person. And and we need to be so careful uh, uh, about this. Uh, this This is what Jesus lays out for us in Matthew 18. If you have a problem with someone, you go right to them. I still remember, I was in grade five, and I was in the, the locker room after gym class, and my friends asked me, what do you think about Dave Todorovic? Do you think he's a good goalie? Because we were all really into hockey back then. And I said, that, I said, Dave Todorovic, you know what? He's good, and he knows it. And then I turned around, and there was Dave Todorovic. And what I was saying about Dave was that he was a good goalie, but that I thought he was kind of arrogant. And I never, I didn't have the courage to say it to his face. And I I thought I was saying it behind his back, but he was actually behind my back. And that taught me an important lesson in grade five that, that, that I've had to repeatedly learn and that all of us need to understand that, that there is, notice the shame that lest he who hears you bring shame upon you, the guilt, the shame the, that overcame me in that moment as, a, as an 11-year-old kid for talking about someone behind their back. It's so, it's such a horrible thing to have happen and God loves you, he doesn't want that to happen to you. So don't do it. Go directly to the person. If someone asks you a question like that, they say, well, it doesn't matter what I think about them. If, if I have something to say to them, I'll say it directly to them. Proverbs 26, 22, look at the next chapter. Proverbs 26, 22. See, the other half of dealing with the gossip issue is not just what comes out of our mouths, but what we let come into our ears. There are some people who have a problem with talking too much, but, but they wouldn't have so much of a problem if it weren't for those of us who, ha- who hear too much. And so the, the whisperer is culpable, and they have responsibility, but the listener also needs to take responsibility for the damage that gossip does. Proverbs 26, 22. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. This verse just beautifully encapsulates why hearing gossip is so attractive. You see, it kind of goes back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and we're just like them, had, had this desire to want to be like God. God is omniscient. He knows everything about everyone. He knows everyone's dirty laundry. And so when we have an opportunity to learn some information about someone, our desire to want to be divine, our desire to have omniscience, kicks in, and, and so we eagerly want to listen because that's something we want to go after. But when someone whispers to us, when someone reveals a secret to us, it also builds us up. Our our own ego, our own pride elevates because when someone says, I want to talk to you about so-and-so, what they're really saying is, I know I can trust you. I know that you'll give me good advice about this. I know that that person, they won't listen to me, but to you, they'll listen to you. 
And when we hear those things, like, yeah, you know what, I am, I, I, I think I can handle this, I'm trustworthy, I'll probably give you good advice. Yeah, you know what, you're right, tell me, tell me the problem and then, and then I'll, go and, I'll go and talk to them. That's, that's just our pride kicking in. And we need, listen, we need to humble ourselves in, 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 in not listening to gossip. Take a look at Proverbs 26, verse 20. Proverbs 26, 20, just two verses back, it says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. So you take the wood out of the fire, the fire stops burning. You, you stop listening to whisperers. You, you, you close your ears to gossip. And you'll notice that unity increases and quarreling decreases. Now the answer to this is not just as simply someone says, you know what, I want to talk to you about. So then to say, gossip, go directly to them. That's not always the way to do it. Because remember, the problem is not just the person talking. The problem is our own tendency to listen. And then just to, so, just to humbly tell the person, you know what, I'm just really not comfortable hearing this right now. Because I don't know what this is going to do to my own, to my own heart. And so, so please just stop and I just urge you, they're right over there or I can give you their phone number. Just go to them directly and don't just judge the person who's trying to bring it, towards, uh, bring it forward. Humbly say, I can't handle this. You might think that I'm trustworthy. You might think that I'd give you good advice. But those delicious morsels, they actually go deep into my heart and, and can actually change the way that I think about that person forever. And so I can't handle that. And so you humbly just stop the person in their tracks and say, please, I'm sorry, please don't say anything more. I, I, I can't handle that sense or that, that level of information about that person to stop it before it starts. Take the wood out of the fire. You see, we've talked about destructive speech and deceptive speech. The thing about divisive speech, the thing about gossip is it's both destructive and deceptive. It's the whole package. And it brings churches down. It brings families down. It brings people down. And the speaker is responsible. The listener is responsible. And we need to stop it before it starts. And so those are the words of death that we're warned about in the book of Proverbs. Now let's talk about the words of life. And so we're going to be talking now in the book of Proverbs about the words of life. And here's a four quick principles from the book of Proverbs that I want to share with you up here on the screen for words of life. Take your time. Keep it short. Tell the truth. Watch your tone. There's over 150 Proverbs about speech in the book of Proverbs. One out of every six Proverbs is about how we speak. And so I had a lot of work this week reading all of those Proverbs and then shrinking it down to a, a manageable amount. And so as far as the positive things that Proverbs says, these, this is the sort of the crystallization. This is, this is sort of the, uh, the executive summary, the elevator speech to Take your time, keep it short, tell the truth, and watch your tone. So we're going to go through these uh, one by one. The first one I want to show you on the screen, Proverbs uh, 15, 28. Take your time. It says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. Think before you speak. 
and think down on a heart level. What, what, what does my mind think about this? Am I emotionally affected by this right now? What do I want to see happen? What am I desiring? What's my will? To get things down to a heart level and think deeply before you speak. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. I think a lot of the times when we think about things that have come out of our mouths that we regret, most of those times, if we could go back, we would have, we would have thought a little bit more before we spoke. Take your time. Proverbs 18.2, you can turn there in your Bibles. We're actually going to camp out in Proverbs 18 for the next few. So Proverbs 18 and verse 2. It says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Again, not taking your time to make sure that you understand what needs to be said. Not taking your time to understand what the person has just said to you, but being in such a hurry to express your own opinion, cutting people off, interrupting them so that you can express your own opinion. Look at uh, chapter 18, verse 6 and 7. I love this. this I, I've experienced this. This is my own testimony. Proverbs 18, 6 and 7. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. Again, we can be trapped in the things that we say. If we don't take the time to watch what we're saying, we can end up in a trap. Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and his shame. You've got to make sure that you listen and you understand what the person is saying before you answer. In Proverbs 18, 17. The one who states his case at first seems right until the other comes and examines him. This is, again is why gossip is so dangerous because you're only hearing the one side of the story. The other person is not there to defend themselves or explain their side of you. So of course the thing the one person is saying sounds right. Get both of the people in the room at the same time. Hear both sides of the story before you jump to conclusions. Take your time before you speak. We live in a world where people are more closed-minded than ever, but more open-mouthed than ever. So many closed minds and so many open mouths just blabbing. What this world needs is wisdom to close your mouth and to open your mind. Don't assume that you already know the answer to the question. Don't assume that your opinion is the right opinion. Keep your mouth closed and open your mind. So take your time. Secondly, keep it short. These are going to come up on the screen for you now. Proverbs 10, 19. These are powerful verses. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I'm not going to explain that one for obvious reasons. Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. I love that. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. 
I, I, I just love that idea that, that people assume that you're smart if you say nothing. But you, when you open your mouth, it's the opportunity for people to realize that you are foolish. And so, so just less is more. When words are many, uh, uh, transgression is not lacking. The more you speak, the more opportunity there is for you to sin, which which again, I'm the guy who has to get up here and talk for 40 minutes, which, which puts a lot of pressure on me because I know that not everything I'm going to say is going to be right on point. So keep it short. Next, tell the truth. Proverbs 24, 26. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. It's so refreshing in a world that's so filled with deception and so filled with gossip and talking behind people's backs, just to tell the truth. Say what you want to say. Say what you're truly... But again, after you've taken your time, after you've decided to keep it short, then tell the truth. And then I I love this, Proverbs 29.5, it's so important. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Our words can be used not just, we don't just end up falling into a trap ourselves, but our words can actually set up a trap for someone else. Now, someone may be flattering you a lot because they're trying to manipulate you. They're trying to butter you up. They're laying out the net while they're saying how great you are and all these false statements. But also, your flattery may be causing your good friend to walk into someone else's net. If you don't tell the truth to your friends... But if you, if you are lying to them and flattering them, then you're, you're setting them up to fall into someone else's net. Do you remember like 10 years ago, just almost every single night on TV, there was a different show where someone who thought they could sing was auditioning in front of a panel and then the panel would rip them apart. Do you remember that? That's all that was on TV. The problem with that show is that each and every individual, especially the ones that were so painful but so entertaining to watch, if those people who went for those auditions had friends who told the truth, they never would have went to the audition, right? All the way up in the line in the hotel conference room, the friends are being like, oh, you're such a great singer. You're like an angel. This is going to go so good. And then they just lead them right into the net. And how often do we do that to our friends? Listen, how often in the self-esteem culture are we doing this to the next generation? Where we're not, nothing's marked in red pen, nothing's ever wrong. We're, We're setting people up to fall into a net. Listen, what we need are good friends who tell the truth. Friends who tell us when we don't look good. Oh, no, go back. You need to go back and get changed right now. You are not going out with us looking like that. That's a good friend. That is a good friend who speaks the truth. Now, before I enable people who are a little bit loose-lipped, understand this last point. Watch your tone. Proverbs says so much, not just about what we say, but how we say it. Turn to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15 and verse 1. Watch your tone. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word 
stirs up anger. You have, a ch- you have an opportunity. You, need, you know you need to tell the truth. You've taken your time, and you're going to keep it short, and it's going to be true. Now you need to choose. Is it going to be harsh, or is it going to be soft? It can be soft and true, or it can be harsh and true. Some people think that the only way to be true is to be harsh. That's not true. A soft answer turns away wrath. Look down at verse 4. Proverbs 15, 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Do you want words of death or do you want words of life? Because even the truth can bring death. But a gentle tongue brings life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. All truth with, with no grace or with no tone is deafening and discouraging. Look at Proverbs 12, 25 on the screen here. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. So many of us are weighed down with anxiety and and worry and care and depression. All of these things are, are weighing people down. And and. Enter truth-telling friend. And truth-telling friends start saying, you shouldn't feel like that and believe God, the gospel and trust in God and what's wrong with you. And listen, they're saying a whole bunch of things that's the right truth, but it's the wrong tone. The person is already weighed down and you need to give them truth in a way that lifts them up, not that pushes them further down. And so be very careful in how you communicate truth. One more verse on this, Proverbs 16, 23. Move the next chapter over, Proverbs 16, verse 23. It says, The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. This is the Mary Poppins principle of speech. A spoonful of sugar helps the truth go down. Not not sugarcoating it, not glossing over it, but being careful in how you uh, communicate uh, to someone. Notice in, in verse 23 the connection between heart and speech. That's all, over the, that's all over the Proverbs. Pastor Chris in a couple of weeks is going to be doing a message out of Proverbs on the heart. And one of the telltale signs of what's happening in a person's heart is what's coming out of their mouths. Look at this verse. Proverbs 22 verse 11 says, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. If your heart is pure and your speech is gracious, even the king will want to be friends with you. You see, but every human being on planet earth has this problem because we don't always love purity of heart and our speech isn't always gracious. And so people don't want to be friends with us and the king doesn't want to be friends with us because our mouths are out of control. And the reason our mouths are out of control is not just because of our mouths. It's because of our hearts. And Proverbs 22.11 talks about earthly kings, but this is also true of the eternal king, of, of God who's the king of the universe. In order to be in a right relationship with God, you need to have purity of heart 
and you need to speak graciously. But then Jesus shows up on the scene, and this is what Jesus says about our hearts and our speech in Matthew 12, 34. Let's bring Matthew 12, 34 up on the screen here. Does that slide not exist? Does it only exist in my mind? Should we turn to Matthew 12, 34 to 36? I guess it's only in my mind. Let's go to Matthew 12. Matthew 12, 34. Oh, sometimes I think things and then they're just there. That's wonderful. Okay, Matthew 12, 34. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. You see, Jesus is a, he's a good friend. He doesn't flatter. He tells the truth. He tells us the truth about our speech. He tells us the truth about our hearts. He tells us the truth about judgment. You might be here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. You're not a friend of the king. And you think that somehow by doing the right things or, 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 or participating in certain religious activities or just being a good person will make you a friend of the king will mean that you will go to heaven. That is not true. You are going to have to give a line-by-line, word-by-word account of everything you've said. This call will be recorded for quality assurance. This life will be recorded for quality assurance. And your, every single word you've said, you're going to have to explain to God why you said that. That's a scary thought. How can we be a friend of the king if our hearts are not pure? And if our word is not gracious. This is the power of our words. This is what we need to understand. Our words have the power not only to influence people, not only, not only to harm people or to help people, the, the words of life or the words of death. Listen, our words have the power to condemn us. Our words have the power to, yes, send us to hell, to be judged forever. Because our words reveal what is happening in our hearts. But listen, our words are not the last word. The second point on the second page of your handout is this. Not simply the power of our words, but the power of the word with a capital W. A power of the word. You see, Jesus Christ is called the word of God. John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word, capital W, was with God and the word, capital W, was God. Jesus came as the word. He was present with the father in creating the world. He was the word that spoke the universe into existence and then he came to us. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus told us graciously but truthfully that whatever comes out of our heart reveals what our, sorry, whatever comes out of our mouth reveals what's in our hearts. And he told us that our words will in fact condemn us because our, word, our hearts are not pure, therefore our words are not pure. But then Jesus, who was the word, spoke this word in John chapter 7 and verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rather than speaking out words of death from a heart that is dead, our words now can speak words of life from a heart that is living. 
It's so interesting that when Jesus said this in John 7, while he was saying this, there were some, there were some soldiers watching because the soldiers were sent. They were supposed to go and arrest Jesus. And then they heard him give this sermon and they heard this message of a transformed heart. And they were so amazed by what Jesus was saying. They go back to the Sanhedrin and they're like, where's Jesus? How come we didn't arrest him? And then they said this, no one ever spoke like this man. He is the word. This is the power of the word. This is the power, the purity of Jesus Christ. Jesus can change your heart. Because Jesus can take our words of death that come from our spiritually dead heart. And when he died on the cross, he took the blame for every rash, sarcastic, evil, malicious word that we ever spoke. And he died on the cross so that our heart can be transformed. And he suffered and died. And our sin was put on him. And when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, his life now lives in us. So, so his life is now inside of our heart. And we have a new and a pure heart if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. And so now you have a, a, a life-giving heart and now you have the power to speak life-giving words. Jesus, the power of the word, is the power to change our very hearts. And listen, Jesus, he knew how to speak. He knew how to take his time. He knew how to, he knew how to keep it short. He knew how to tell the truth. I mean, the, when the woman was caught into a, in adultery and the people were all standing there with stones and saying, the law of Moses says that we should execute this woman. Jesus took his time, didn't he? He stooped down. He rode in the sand. And then he said, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. Another time when the religious leaders came to him and said, by what authority are you doing all of these things? Why should we believe you? And Jesus, again, he just took his time. He kept it short. He said, well, let's talk about John's baptism for a minute. Was John's baptism from man or was it from God? And then they had this little huddle and they said, well, we don't want to answer that question. And then Jesus says, well, if you're not going to answer my question, I'm not going to answer yours. So Jesus knew, you know, answer a fool according to their folly. And Jesus was wise with his words. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, living inside the Christian, in the Christian's new heart, we have that wisdom and we need to learn how to speak by the Spirit and how to speak from our new identity in Christ and not speak from our flesh, from those old worldly habits of how we used to speak. But here's the most powerful thing the most powerful statement that Jesus ever said. Talk about keeping it short. These are the most important words that Jesus spoke. John 19, 30. It is finished. Because he suffered and died on the cross for us. He took the penalty that all of us deserve for all of our sinful speech and for everything else. He suffered for us. Now here's the amazing thing about how the gospel works. It's our words that condemn us. But then God chooses that when, after sending his son and allowing us to see his son and hearing about his son through words, we are then called upon to respond with words. Romans 10.9 If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, God knows that he can transform the heart with the power of the gospel. And that from that heart comes, comes a mouth that confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. So Jesus came to change our heart. He also came to heal our hurt. This is the power of the word. Some of you are here today and you're still just so overwhelmed with guilt because of some of the things that you have said. You need to understand and believe that Jesus has made it possible for you to be forgiven and that as far as the east is from the west, he separated your sins from you. But some of you have been on the receiving end of some of those horrible things. And you've, you've heard people speak lies to you. you. You've had those sword thrusts go deep into your hearts. And remember, the second half of that proverb says that the mouth of the wise brings healing. And the wisest mouth is the mouth of Jesus. And the strongest, most powerful words are the words of Jesus. And so you need to listen to the words of Jesus. Turn the volume down on what has been said about you or turned to you and turn the volume up on what Jesus has said. He said, I love you. He said, I chose you. He said, I am with you. And remember those truths from the gospel and allow his spirit to purify and to cleanse you and to heal you from those wounds. You see, Jesus can change, change our heart, the heart that was filled with sin, and he can also change the heart that's filled with wounds and scar tissue of things that, have other, that others have said. Jesus has that power, the power of the word to speak to us. So let's bow our heads together and, and pray. So our Heavenly Father, God, we come to you right now And God, we're keenly aware of the power of our words and how they have been used to sometimes destroy or divide or deceive, Lord. But God, we thank you that you sent your son as the word to come and to speak a better word, to come and to speak the truth and to come and speak it in a way that transforms us from the inside out. And so, God, I pray that we would receive your word in our ears, God, and that it would go down deep into our hearts and that from the new heart, from regeneration, God, that you would change the way that we speak, that we would speak our identity in you, Lord God. And so, Father, I I pray that you would that you would stir in our hearts, that we would hear you speak to our hearts, Lord, your words of love, your words of forgiveness, your words of comfort, your words of grace, and that you would bring healing, God, that you would bring salvation, God. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do this good work in our lives. God, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's use words that are sung now. Let's Stand together and let's sing these beautiful words in response to all that God is. This has been an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church or to contact us, please visit harvestbrampton.ca.